Give me some amens when you get there. Amen. I'm about to say y'all be there quick. It's been the same verse for three weeks. Is it hot in here to y'all? I heard, all, I heard, yeah, that's all the men. Then I heard the women, no. I mean, it's like, that's exactly how that works. I'm burning up. All right, quit joking around. Let's get serious. <laughs> you figure they'd be sponsoring our church by now. You know what I'm saying? Y'all there? Amen. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses, telling the people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Amen? Let us pray. Father, I praise you again for the victories of this church. The victories of your church, Father, it's been amazing to watch. There's churches in this community that are just growing. Father, I praise you. I praise you for giving us direction on how to make that happen. Thank you for the anointment of the Holy Spirit to guide us. And Father, I claim that never changes here. Father, I invite you in this room like I do every Sunday. And I ask today that your presence grasp the heart of everyone in this room. Father, I ask that you continue to grow myself and humble me. Father, thank you for the knowledge and wisdom you've given me for this sermon today. This is something that you have had me study for a long time. I thank you for the opportunity to preach it. And Father, in this moment, I'm asking that you anoint me from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. Father, that you take all of the distractions that I have away, my pride doubt father just take all my sinful natures away replace it with you today father i need your boldness today and most importantly your love i ask these things in your name father help us to love laugh and forgive amen all right today guys we're gonna finish the series entitled major growth some of y'all might think I'm a little crazy by finishing it today. I actually felt like we were going to do a long series on the book of Acts. And, and God made it very evident to me yesterday as I was putting this sermon together. He's got something else he wants us to move on to next week. Very excited about that. Uh, but today, again, we're going to finish this up, guys. Uh, back in December, while on vacation, God told me that we, Christian Warriors Church, had three years, three years to prepare for major growth. He then revealed to me the steps our church needed to take to prepare for this growth that he had planned for us. The first step was to get more of us to serve here in the church in some capacity using the gifts that God has given us. We have accomplished that so far. However, like Bojo said, we need even more. So grab your serve card, pray over it, figure out where you fit in the church, guys, and we'll get you involved. The second step was to stress the importance of church unity. And how God says there is absolutely no room for jealousy and leadership in the church. Last week, we discussed how we as a church should look 
and perform. And also last week, I finally revealed to you guys the major growth plan God has been preparing for this church for the next three years. The, the, the vision, just for those of y'all that weren't here, uh, God explained to me, showed me that in the next three years, we have three years to prepare to either plant another church or to help another person plant another church. And then he also gave us the vision of multiple pastors coming out of this church and how we're supposed to be grooming them and, and helping them along the way. You know, I talked about how I didn't really have that when we planted this church. I, I didn't have another pastor uh, that kind of walked me through a process for three years. I really wish I would have. Uh, not that, don't get me wrong, I don't take anything back, but it would have been a little easier on your pastor. You know what I'm saying? Um, so we're going to help these pastors. We're going to do that. We're going to groom them. And then one of the things that I talked about as well is, Guys, if one of these pastors, I don't care if they plant a church a mile down the road, the first Sunday they plant that church, we won't be open here. We'll be over there, and we'll be helping them get kick-started. And the other thing that we're going to talk about is you guys, as the congregation, need to be praying about if that happens, if that happens, y'all need to be praying about who needs to go with them. I love all y'all. I want you to stay, but God may not want you to stay. He may need you to go and help them. That's what church is all about, guys. It's not about one building. Amen? We know that? Okay. I think we got that point across last week. That's just to refresh y'all that, that we're not here. One thing, and I don't know if I pointed this out last week. When God said we had three years to get there, I, I, it didn't hit me until later on when I realized, oh, crap, we've been open four years. And then three years, four plus three is what? What's seven in the Bible? completion amen how cool is that y'all like that's just even more confirmation that we're on the right track getting this set up because we're taking these steps to groom and prepare new pastors for ministry this week guys i want to discuss the qualifications of a pastor and the true role of a pastor now before i get started some of y'all are probably sitting here and you're like well Kurt, i might as well leave god ain't calling me pastor why do i want to sit through this here's why y'all need to know what is required of a pastor so y'all can hold myself bojo leadership accountable that's what we do as a team not you though everybody else <laughs> except mikey all kidding aside guys really you need to know that and you need to know that as well because if you've got a friend that's looking for a church and and they don't know these things they need to know it this is knowledge y'all can give them you, you don't want to see a friend take their family to another church where the pastor is not leading the right way and doesn't even have the qualification to be a pastor in the first place it's destructive so this is knowledge that you guys can take with you and i promise you you can you'll grow from it but you'll also be able to help some others as well amen all right i want to start with the role of a pastor guys you know, believe it or not, the role of pastor is not just to stand at the pulpit every Sunday, look extremely handsome. And give you a sermon, okay? That's not the role of a pastor. And by the way, Bojo, you kind of hurt my heart talking about every day is arm day. Every day is not arm day, but Sunday is definitely arm day, okay? <laughs> a pastor, guys, is a shepherd, okay? That's their role. And a shepherd protects the flock. A shepherd shears the, shock, the, 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 the flock. Thank you. That was hard to put that together there. Yeah. Guys, a shepherd even has to, and this is the hard part, sometimes they have to correct the flock. 
when they go astray and get them back with the rest of the flock. To be honest with you, and, and another thing real quick that you have to do, you got on that protection of the flock, you got to be ready to fight for your flock. All those things are easy to me, but the hardest thing to do is that correction step. You know, I, I as a, pa- a pastor should be like a father where, and y'all know what I'm saying, you know, when my dad used to, used to beat me, you know, whip me, not beat me, he didn't beat me, that sounded bad, when he'd whip me, believe it or not, I used to make some mistakes, okay, so he would whip me, and you know, you always say, this hurts me more than it hurts you, I didn't know what he was talking about until I got kids of my own, a pastor should feel no different with his flock. That correction process, that discipline process is hard, but I promise you guys, I have to do it. That's the role of a pastor. It's hard. So any of y'all that are thinking you're called to pastor, just know that. that that's, that's, that's one of the hardest steps that you have to take as a pastor. The most important thing you need to understand, guys, about being a pastor is uh, this role of pastor is not a job. It's a calling definitely not a job if it was a job you'd quit okay and I assure you guys no one ever needs to take on the role of a pastor unless God has truly called them to that position uh, if you take the role of a pastor guys you're, you're 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 giving an oath to the congregation to the flock that God puts in front of you and you're giving an oath to God that you know how serious that position is and that you take it serious and that you're going to do all that you can to lead how that Bible tells us to lead. That oath is serious, y'all. Hang on, I'll get there later. Let me get past that, sorry. As a pastor, guys, you're held to a higher standard by God. In fact, in James chapter 3, the Bible tells us, guys, anyone who takes the role of a pastor will be judged more harshly than others. So those of you that think you're called to pastor, you better think about that. The reason why it's this way for pastors, guys, is because we're, we're not just leading people, guys. We're leading souls. That's what we're doing. Make no mistake about it, this role of a pastor comes with a lot of pressure. Uh, in fact, a pastor, I, I, re- I looked all this up, a pastor ranks as one of the top three most stressful positions in the United States. It's actually ahead of the president. <laughs> Forbes magazine, hush, I knew you, I, I just, Forbes magazine in 2023, guys, Hold a thousand pastors and came up with some facts and statistics uh, on the stress that comes from the calling of a pastor. Uh, I want to pull that up real quick. I got a list of that. 90% of pastors report being stressed and fatigued. 90% work between 60 and 80 hours per week. 50% report major conflicts with other church leaders each month. 78% were forced to resign because of church conflict. 80% will not be in ministry 10 years later. That is sad. That's sad. 70% of pastors have a lower self-esteem now than when they entered ministry. 70% uh, 
constantly fight depression. 80% believe their pastoral ministries has negatively affected their families. 77% feel that they do not have a good marriage. And 38% are divorced or divorcing. Now, I know what you are thinking right now. Michael, we're trying to groom pastors. You're scaring them away. <laughs> All kidding aside, guys, if somebody feels they're called to pastor, they need to know what they're walking into. They need to know the attacks that will be thrown at them. And that's proof. It's proof. Now, I will say this, guys, and I just wanted to point this out. Your pastor's not on there. I'm just being honest with you. I'm not trying to act like I have no issues because obviously y'all know me well enough to know I have some issues, okay? But, the, <laughs> but <laughs> I always just walk right into it, you know what I'm saying? But, but all kidding aside, guys, I'm going to tell you why I'm not on this majority here. And I'm going to tell you why. And, and this is why this is such a problem is the churches don't back their pastor. Y'all back me a hundred percent. So I feel, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not depressed. I'm not stressed and fatigued. Show ain't fatigued, right? Sunday's arm day, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> listen, I, listen, if I was fatigued, I wouldn't have had arm day today, you know what I'm saying? Guys, I mean, all of these things, it blows like conflicts with church leaders each month. Y'all, I don't have these problems. The reason I say that, I truly believe that out of these 1,000 pastors, a bunch of them weren't really called. Y'all feel me? Don't get me wrong. Sure, there have been things that have happened over the last four years that have been hard for me, and it's been a struggle for me. And, but it's not that bad. Not even close. Again, this is why I want to stress to people that feel that they're called. Yeah, this is scary. But if you're called, God equips all those that he calls. And he equips you with leadership and a church around you that will love you and support you. If you just continue to do what you're supposed to do, that oath that you take, everything starts to fall into place. Again, don't get me wrong. There's still, there's still some things out there. Don't get me wrong. I know that this looks pretty rough, guys, and it's, it's kind of hard, you know, because of the things that may happen. But to be honest with you, I think that being a pastor, if called, is the most gratifying and rewarding position in the world. There's nothing greater. <laughs> There's nothing greater than sitting here on Sundays and looking out at you guys. And, and knowing how your lives have changed. There's nothing greater than God working through you and through this church and seeing the lives that have been changed, the walks that have been strengthened. There's nothing more gratifying and rewarding to me than that. So, <clears throat> All right, now that we understand the true role of the pastor and what comes with it, Let's look at the biblical, biblical qualifications of a pastor. God lays this out for us, guys, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. Let's read all that. This saying is, trust, is trustworthy. Anyone aspires to be an overseer. He desires a noble work. An overseer, therefore, must be above reproach, 
the husband of one wife, self-controlled, sensible, respectable, hospitable, and able to teach, not addicted to wine, not a bully but gentle, not quarrelsome, not greedy, one who manages his own household completely, having his children under control with all dignity. If anyone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of God's church? He must not be a new, cover, a, a new, cover, a new Christian, or he might become conceited and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Furthermore, furthermore, he must have a good reputation among outsiders so that he does not fall into the disgrace of the devil's trap. Let's break these down. I've got a list of them for you guys. I didn't expect y'all to just memorize that real quick. We're going to break each one of these down. If you could pull that list up for me, Nick. Let's start with above reproach. Okay. Uh, this means, guys, that you live a life free of sinful habits or behaviors. Notice I said habits. I said habits. Okay. We all have flesh, guys. Therefore, we all slip and fall at times. Even pastors. You, you hear me? Okay. But I need you to understand, you are not what you did, guys. You're what you do repeatedly. Always remember that. Guys, your sins are great, but God's grace is so much greater. So much greater. Even a pastor, guys, will slip and fall from time to time. And we should always expect that, guys, because we are human. But if someone has a habit of sin... They are not above reproach and therefore are not fit to serve in the role of a pastor. Guys, to just simply put this to you, above reproach means you will not bring shame upon the church as a pastor. That's what it means. I take that extremely serious, as all pastors should. You know, but I'm going to be honest with you guys. I wasn't going to get into this until later, but I'm going to do it now. I have no doubt that there are so many pastors that have accepted the role of pastor and never even read 1 Timothy chapter 3, 1 through 7. I'm being honest with you. I'm being honest. That's like taking a job and not doing the job description. Too many pastors do not take it serious enough about bringing shame upon the church. Guys, I know that the role of a pastor, you're setting the example for the entire congregation. And not just the congregation, but even outside of these four walls. You can't bring shame upon the church. If you do, it will destroy a church. And not only will that happen, guys, I can't tell you how many times I've seen it where a pastor messes up, brings shame upon the church in a major way, okay? And the church falls apart. And so many of those people today are still unchurched because they don't trust church because of what the pastor did. You feel me? So the role of a pastor, we have to be above reproach. Now, again, that doesn't mean we're not going to make mistakes. We're going to make mistakes. But when I'm saying bringing shame upon the church, we're talking major, major issues, guys. We're talking things that, I'll put it to you this way, that you know as a pastor will destroy a church. And you did it anyway. That's bringing shame upon the church. I 
I reached out to 20 people. Some of you are sitting in this room, so you'll know what I'm talking about. And asked them, besides obviously preaching the word of God and helping people get to salvation, what is the main thing you look for in a pastor? You know, I was like, take the Bible side out of it. I get it. That's our job. We've got to teach. Okay? That's shepherd. We've got to teach. Okay? We've got to teach the flock. But out of those 20, the number one comment that I got back was trustworthy. As a pastor, above reproach, that means that people can look at you and they know even though you fight sin every day, that they can trust you. They know that you won't falter because you love the church. Number one is trustworthy. Pastors have to be trustworthy. You're going to get nowhere if you're not trustworthy. Husband of one wife. This is one that all churches, <laughs> excuse me, that not all churches will agree upon. Okay? There's, there's a lot of stuff here, guys. This one's going to be the one we're going to spend the most time on. Uh, back in the day, guys, I need you to understand this, back in biblical times, there's a lot of ways you can look at husband of one wife. There used to be men that had multiple wives in the Bible, right? I call them stupid. <laughs> but guys, so, so you had to have just one wife. I mean, that, that a lot of people say that's what Paul was talking about, giving to Timothy. Then you've got some churches that say, you know, if you were ever divorced and you got remarried, you cannot be a pastor. I disagree with that one. I, I disagree with that depending on the divorce. Okay, if, if a man cheats on his wife and, and runs off with his mistress and then a week later wants to be a pastor, that ain't going to work. Okay, it's not going to work, right? But let's just say we've preached on the biblical reasons for divorce and let's say that a wife does that to the man. That's not his fault. Now, unless he wasn't leading the household the right way. Unless he wasn't loving her like Christ loves the church, then we got a problem. But, again, if, if the wife is to do something of a certain magnitude that calls for biblical divorce, and they tried to work it out, and they tried to make it work, and she just kept going wrong, kept going wrong, kept going wrong, I can't hold that against that man. I can't. We can't control free will. You feel me? The other thing is this. Let's say you had a divorce, but when was your conversion? I mean, I'm sure there's men in this room sitting here that got a divorce 10 years ago when they weren't really a Christian in the first place. You understand where I'm going? I think you have to base the whole divorce thing off of after conversion and the reasons for divorce. That's my belief. That's how I interpret the Bible. Like I said, some churches won't agree with me on this, and that's okay. But that's our stance on it here at this church. Now, I need you all to understand something. I'm a huge believer that women can be very strong leaders in the church. I mean, guys, we've got, you know, you've got Miss Cheryl, who's over the ladies' ministry, Sarah, who's over the family. Mama Mite's a huge mentor of mine personally and a leader of this church. Women can be extremely strong, and we've got some very strong women in this church. And we let them lead. That's fine. They just can't be a pastor. 
And here's the thing, that ain't, that ain't my choice. It's out of that book. Y'all, I have three daughters. And I'm not going to lie to y'all, it's hard for me to sit down. Because <laughs> my three daughters are stout. All right? They're stout. And I have no doubt they are anointed like crazy. Even Caroline. And guys, I, I need y'all to understand, especially you ladies, I really need y'all to grasp this. It's so hard for me to look at my daughters and tell them that you can be a leader in that church, but you can't ever take that position of shepherding and pastoring a church. But what's awesome about my kids, they get it because we taught it to them. There's no argument. We always need to understand, guys, God is a God of order, and there is an order in his church. There's an order in leadership. And we're going to stand to it. Let's move on to self-control. Self-control is discipline, guys. A pastor must be able to control his own actions. He must be disciplined enough to take care of himself spiritually, mentally, and physically. Because he needs to set an example for the rest of the congregation. He must also be disciplined enough to study God's word, seek God's guidance, and deliver God's messages to the congregation with full confidence. Amen? The pastor is setting an example, again, of what every Christian wants to shoot for on their personal walk. Without self-control or discipline, you cannot be a pastor. You can't. Sensible. This one is simple, guys. A pastor should simply have good sense. No comments whatsoever. All kidding aside, guys, some of these I'm just going to run through. Sensible, is, that's, that's easy, right? Respectable, a pastor has to live a life that earns respect from others. That's obvious. Hospitable, we're going to spend a minute on this one. Hospitable, a pastor should be welcoming and easily approachable. I reached out, I was telling you all about those 20 people I reached out to. The number two, and by the way, you know, trustworthy was at the top, and then number two wasn't far behind it, and, and it, it was this, it was, they wanted a real pastor, somebody that was real, that didn't stand at the pulpit and act like he knew everything, and that he was better than everybody, and he didn't talk over their head, a real pastor, that's an approachable pastor. There's a reason why God called that out. He wants the pastor to be able to relate to everybody. One of the things that I always hear about this church, when people drive from out of town to come, somebody at some point will ask them, man, what is it that, that attracted you to the church? And they always say, it's real. It's real. And it's obvious that it's real. A pastor has to be that way. When you stand at this pulpit, you don't fake anything. You tell the truth. Even if it hurts. Even if it makes you look bad. Even if it's embarrassing. How many times have I stood up here and embarrassed myself? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> A pastor will be real because he knows, guys. I know if I'm dealing with something or if I've dealt with something in my past, that means y'all have too. So let's talk about it. Amen? So if you think you called the pastor, you're going to have to give up some dirty secrets up here at the pulpit every once in a while. 
not addicted to wine. In other words, they're not a drunkard. Notice it says not addicted to wine. It's okay to have a drink. You know, some of y'all are new here. A lot of y'all have, have been here, but I'm going to tell the new people where my favorite place in the world is. My peaceful place, my favorite place in the world, and hopefully, I'm pretty sure we're going this summer, okay? Guys, I want to sit on the beach, okay, sitting next to my smoking hot wife, okay, watching my kids play, listening to music like what we listen to in here during the break and stuff like that, with my Bible in one hand and a beer in another. It's my favorite place in the world. Yeah, you can clap, that's fine, go ahead. Now listen, I didn't say a 12-pack in my lap. I said a beer in one hand. Guys, there's nothing wrong with enjoying an adult beverage. There's nothing wrong with that. Just don't be stupid. You know what I'm saying? So, so a pastor, now, but a pastor needs to be very strict on that. They need to make dang sure that they don't let it slip. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes, you know, manners this one time, a long time ago, I went to this event. And, uh, and this, this guy from out of town came, and, and uh, he was a lot of fun. You know, he was just the life of the party, and he was buying shots for everybody. And I'm like, man, free shots. I'm going to take that. This is BC days, okay? So, so, so I, I took a few shots. For those of y'all that, that know what it's like to start drinking something and then have shots afterwards, you, you, it catches up to you real quick. And that's what happened. As a pastor, you got to make dang sure that that doesn't sneak up on you. You have to be very careful, and you also better be very particular about who you have that beer or that margarita around. As a pastor, if I'm taking one of my buddies out that's struggling with alcohol, I ain't drinking a drop. Y'all understand me? But when you're with your family, if you're with your friends at a restaurant, there's nothing wrong with having a drink. Guys, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm going to get off that topic. We've talked about it many times. I'm going to get off that. But don't be addicted to it. If you've got a pastor that's an alcoholic, he shouldn't be a pastor. Amen? Amen. Not a bully, but gentle. Not a bully, but gentle. Okay. Man, it's really cool. Since I was a kid, I can't stand a bully. I was bullied as a child, very young. When I grew up, you know, I wasn't bullied no more. But when I was little, I was bullied, okay? So I've, I've been around that. And then once I got older, God put this in my heart. Like, y'all, I ain't going to lie to y'all. The only times that I can truly sit here and think about, again, BC days, as a BC days, not as a pastor, excuse me, at BC days, as Micah BC days, that I got in a fight. It was because somebody was picking on somebody else. They weren't messing with me. They were messing with somebody else. As a pastor, you hate a bully. That's called a shepherd's heart. You see somebody getting picked on and messed with, you want to step in. You want to insert yourself and take care of the situation, biblically, by the way. But you want to insert yourself out of love and handle the situation to protect the flock. Guys, when I see Satan picking on y'all, it ticks me off. It should do that to any man that's called the pastor. Any man. And especially when he messes with my family. Then it went too far, and that pastor man is gone, and I'm going to come out. Guys, there, okay, even Jesus flipped tables. But I need you to catch when he did it. He did it when they dishonored 
his father's home. As soon as they dishonored his father's home, Jesus started flipping tables. If somebody messes with my brothers or sisters, that gives the pastor the opportunity to step in and take care of things. When Satan attacks you, I'm going to flip some tables. You feel me? You should do the same. But I have to be gentle at other times. It's hard, man. But you can't, with that, that gentle word, what that means is, guys, is if I'm having a counseling session with somebody, I'm not screaming at them. You know what I'm saying? I'm not being mean. It's a loving heart that comes out for people. That's gentleness. That's what a pastor has to have. Not quarrelsome. A pastor should not have an argumentative nature. Uh, he should always try to avoid meaningless arguments. However, this does not mean that he cannot debate a topic. He can debate. He can do that. But guys, here's the difference with that is he's not, he, he's not trying to go into a debate trying to win. He's going into a debate trying to figure out how God can win. That's, that's what a pastor has to have the mindset of if he's having a debate. But meaningless arguments a pastor should never have. If somebody has an argumentative behavior, guys, they are not called a pastor. And y'all know who I'm talking about. Y'all know somebody like that. Y'all know good and well. You're probably sitting next to him right now. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Let's see here. Not greedy. Obvious, guys. Uh, pastor puts everybody else above himself. Uh, and he's not greedy for money. Money is not an issue. He doesn't even think about it. Uh, one who manages his own household. Simply put, guys, are his wife and kids crazy? <laughs> this doesn't mean a pastor has to have a perfect marriage and a perfect family, guys, because I think we all know that does not exist in this world. That would be called a unicorn. It's not there, okay? Yeah. What you need to look at, guys, is does he have his house in order? Are him and his wife setting an example of a great marriage, not a perfect one? There's no such thing. Are his children well-behaved? <laughs> does his family have a relationship with God uh, that can be an example for others to see? If you answered yes to these questions, guys, this person can be a pastor. They have that characteristic. I want to touch base real quick on the question of uh, are, you, are, are the pastor's kids well-behaved or are they crazy, okay? <laughs> There's this thing called free will. <laughs> Your pastor can teach a kid until he's blue in the face. But at some point, they're going to reach an age or a maturity level where this thing called free will kicks in, okay? You can't hold that against the pastor. What you need to see is, is how he reacts to the kid after they make the mistakes. Do you understand? Are they disciplining the kid the correct way? Is he trying to implant godly ways into that situation? He's got his house in order, if that's the case. Do y'all understand? But if my kids act like that, I'm sending them to y'all. 
Bible's very clear, guys, about pastors must be able to manage their own household. If they can't manage their own household again, how they're going to manage God's house. Amen. Not a new covenant. That's not a new Christian. We all understand that. And then, uh, and the reason why, obviously, if they're a new Christian, they don't know enough. They don't know enough yet. They, they, need to, they need to get some battle wounds. You know what I'm saying? All right. And then he must have a good reputation, guys. It's so important that all Christians have a good reputation. You're setting an example of Jesus Christ. But it's extremely important for a pastor because more eyes are on him. If a pastor has a, ter a terrible reputation, guys, no one's going to want to follow that man. I want to take notice at two things from this list, guys. We're fixing to move past this. I'm fixing to get this out of here. Number one, on this list, guys, there's only one gift that's on this list able to teach out of that whole list. The rest are character issues. Do y'all know what that's telling me? God cares a lot more about a man's character that's going to be a pastor than he does how good a speaker he is or how funny he is or how handsome he is. Y'all, if, if, you, if you know a pastor who doesn't have good character, he wasn't called. That's what God shows us here. Now, you've got to be able to teach, guys. It's very important. In fact, that's number two. I want you to notice something else. The second thing I want you to notice about this, these are qualifications that God has put together for someone to be a pastor, and a seminary degree is not anywhere on there. Nowhere. Again, God cares more about your character. He knows if your heart's right, you'll teach with that heart. Now, don't get me wrong. I said this last week. You better know that Bible. Now, that doesn't mean you've got to have it memorized. I ain't going to sit here and lie to anybody in this room. I ain't got it memorized. But I know what I need to know. And I know enough of it, and I can get there. And I've got men around me that if I don't really know, if I don't have the answer, guys, I'm not going to give you an answer. I'm going to seek my wise counsel of elders, and they're going to help me find that answer, and we're going to come to you together and fix the problem. That's what a pastor does. They don't have all the answers. They don't. I know men that have that book completely memorized, guys. They can't lead. God wants leaders with good character and strong hearts that will be submissive to him and the Holy Spirit. That's what he wants. And that's what I love about this church. We got men in this church right now, and I guarantee you that's been their whole thought process. Well, I ain't got a seminary degree, or I don't have a biblical degree, or I don't know the Bible enough. Yeah, you, I guarantee you, you do. And the thing is, is if you don't, that's why this next process over the next three years, I'm fixing to get into that, we're going to help you. We're going to guide you through that process. I didn't have that. This next generation of pastors is going to get it from this church. That's the type of man God's looking for, guys. Somebody that's led by the Holy Spirit. Somebody that's submissive to everything that he says. That's what he's looking for. Again, guys, God told me we've got men in here that are called. If you feel that you're one of those men, since last week to today, if you feel like God has called you, if you feel like you've got that calling on your life, 
We need to talk. We need to talk. Because we need more spirit-filled, God-fearing pastors. We need more of that. That aren't scared to get their emotions out and allow the Holy Spirit to teach. This church has got men like that in here. If you're ready to take that step, guys, in the next few minutes, we're going to do victory call. If you feel, again, like God's calling you in that direction, I'm going to be standing right over there. Let's talk. Let's pray. Let's seek some confirmation. And if you hadn't talked to your wife first, go on and talk to your wife first. Amen. Amen, wives. Some of these wives are like, if I get my, if my husband stands up and walks down there, that ain't, uh-uh. <laughs> if you don't feel like coming down here and talking to me today, that's fine. I completely understand. Maybe you need some more time. Maybe you're not 100% sure. Maybe you don't want to get up and walk up here and talk in front of everybody. But I'm going to tell you right now, if you called the pastor, you might as well get used to it. Because obviously, look what you got to do every Sunday. You know what I'm saying? But, but if you're not 100% sure, guys, and, and if you need a little more time, I need you to email me. Nick, can you pull my email up for me? Email me. Take a picture of that, write it down, whatever. But email me, and we will set up a time that we can sit down together and discuss this more in detail. If you're one of these men that we're going to train and mentor into the pastor world, what we're going to do with y'all, we're going to meet. I will be meeting with you once a month. Over time, we're going to let you sit in on some meetings elders meetings, so forth, leadership meetings. You're going to be able to sit in some of the counseling sessions that I do. You're going to start leading a warrior group, one of the small groups that we have. We've got to see if you can lead. You're going to start leading some Bible studies on Wednesday nights. We'll, we'll walk you through that and mentor you through that whole process. You're going to start doing devotionals. I've got people that call me all the time. Hey, do you have somebody that can come do a devotional for my staff or for some of these, you know, the, the elderly, like at nursing homes and stuff like that? Guess what? You're going to have the opportunity. And at some point, guys, we'll even let you preach. But here's what I need you to understand. Before we let you do any of that, I'm going to test you. Big time. And I need all of you men to understand that you feel you're called. And if I look at you and tell you you're not, it's like I said earlier. It's the hardest thing for me to give somebody that truth. But I'm going to do it. Because the last thing we ever need is somebody to step into that pastor role and they're really not called. We're going to test you along the way. We're going to see if you can lead, if you can teach, if you have these characteristics that it takes. Because I'm going to tell you right now, one day what's going to happen, we're going to have another church call us, and they're going to say, Pastor Micah, do y'all have some guy there? We're looking for a pastor that you can send our way. And I'm not putting my stamp of approval on anything unless I know you're called. That's why it will be tested. We got three years, guys. Three years. I'd love to see a ton of men come out of this church ready to pastor. You're going to have that opportunity if you feel you're being called.